Hello, Perkins people. Welcome to another day to show some kindness. Like the new guy at the copier. You know, he wanted two copies, but he printed 200. Think how good you'll feel showing him how to cancel out. Kind of like the way you'll feel when you order a new dish from Perkins' Great Plates menu. There's the cheesy chicken and bacon pasta, or all-you-can-eat pancakes, and so much more, just four to eight bucks. Only at Perkins. Kindness served daily. Oh, man. Now he's, uh, he's jammed it. Know your name, I swear I do. It's on the tip of my tongue. Sorry, what did you say? Yeah, I've known you for how long? Your face is so familiar, but no one name comes to mind. Please, can you remind me? Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks, and I'm also a daughter whose mother had dementia for 30 years, and that's really why I, why I started this company. I wanted to be able to raise voice to products, services, and tools so that other families didn't struggle the way our family did, um, trying to find help and resources. And so I welcome you today. Um, bottom line, Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. We also help companies expand their brand footprint by leveraging our platforms and content to increase access to their product services and tools to those in need. I also love every time we do this show to thank our audience because without you, we would be nothing. And um, your loyalty, your time commitment to us has been phenomenal. You're the ones that have gotten us recognized by by Oprah, by Maria Shriver, by Dr. Oz, and, and so many others. And that happened through your likes, your clicks, and your shares with our content. You see, you're helping spread the word. Even though it just takes a second, it, you have a big influence out there in terms of pushing resources to people in need. And so I, I hope that you'll continue to do that. You can uh, like us on Facebook and Twitter and, and all those other places, but individual content from the blog and from the radio show are really important to push out. So again, thank you so much. And I'd also like to invite you to be a guest on our show. You see, Alzheimer Speaks believes in raising everyone's voice. So it's not just about us talking. It's about learning and um, inspiring one another in terms of what's working and what's not working. Because You know, every person with dementia deals with this a little bit different. Every family does. Every environment is different. So we encourage to hear your story and to share it with others. We'd be more than glad to help push that out. And you can contact me through the radio page at Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, or you can go to our main website, Alzheimer's Speaks, and in the upper right-hand corner, there's a big gold button that says Contact. So... um, Before I introduce our guest today, I want to give a shout out to Dementia Raw. Um, Their Silver Dawn Training Institute is coming to White Bear Lake, Minnesota, which is really close to me. And so on August 6th and 7th, I will be there uh, with them for their Certified Dementia Communication Specialist Training. And I'm, I'm very excited to see Tammy Newman and Kathy Braxton, who are the founders of Dementia Raw. Their approach, if you're not aware of it, um, they use what they call introspective improv, and it's unscripted, unconventional, and unapologetic, and they deal with real-life scenarios, and I'm I'm just really, really looking forward to to being part of that group um, on the 6th and 7th of August. I also want to give a shout out to, this is a really cool concept that I think aligns with dementia and caregiving really well. The World Kindness USA launch um, just happened the end of July in LA and they are looking for cities and businesses to join forces. I happen to be one of the founding members here 
And Michael Lloyd uh, White is the one who has been working so hard at getting this developed, and he's getting an exceptional response. He was um, here from Australia uh, for about six weeks, and he's back in Australia for about a month, and then he's going to be heading back over here uh, trying to get more uh, more of the kindness body up and running. It's, it's a pretty magical experience, and uh, you can get more information by just going to worldkindnessusa.org. Uh, again, that's worldkindnessusa.org. A couple other companies I just want to give a shout out to is the American Senior Magazine. They are a lifestyle magazine for seniors with topics ranging from nostalgia, health, and wellness. And they interview and do spotlights on notable older Americans. And you can go to americanseniormagazine.com for more information there. Or go to alzheimerspeaks.com and you'll see an ad and you'll actually get a discount for them uh, there. And then the Purple Table Reservations, I don't know if everyone's heard about them, but they are really trying to get our restaurants up and trained so that they're more dementia-friendly. And it actually expands more than just dementia. It'll work with people who have uh, post-traumatic stress, autism, and, and so many other things that just need a little more assistance. So that's all my housekeeping for right now. So let's go ahead and introduce our guest, who I'm very excited to have with us. Uh, Steve Bodansky has his master's degree in um, molecular biology and a doctorate in sexuality and or sensuality. And he has been a sensuality and relationship coach coach for um, the past 30 years. He has written several books. And um, he says mostly for pleasure and fun and and love. So welcome, Steve. How are you doing today? Hi, Lori. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you taking time to be with us. Now, I always ask um, all of our guests the same question to kind of kick us off, just so our listeners have a little background on you. But have you been personally touched by dementia uh, by family or, or friends? Well, my wife has Alzheimer's, so I guess I've been touched by it. Mm-hmm. And we're very, very close, so I'm, in, I'm like, I'm living it. <laughs> okay. Can you share with us um, what type of dementia and when she got diagnosed? Is it actually Alzheimer's or? Well, I mean, it's different. They said went to see a neurologist. I don't know about. Seven years ago, probably, and she said it's Alzheimer's, but they can't know for sure until they do an autopsy. So that's what she said. Okay. But I think, but I think a, there has been losing her memory for about probably fifteen, maybe twelve, fifteen years or so, and it's just slowly getting less and less. But she really has no memory now at all. But she's very functional still. Okay, so and that's pretty common to to have symptoms several years before actually getting diagnosed. So, um, and she still lives at home with you then? Yeah, we you know, we do everything together. Okay, like, okay. Like 24/7, I'd say. I mean, she used to get her nails done, and and I'd be by myself for a while, but now she doesn't do that. So I think once every three months she goes to the hairdresser. And I drop her off for an hour. Otherwise, we're together all the time. Okay. Now, tell me a little bit about um, your book, Love and Alzheimer's. Um, how did that come about? You know, typically there's some kind of trigger point that, that flashes off in our minds that says, I need to do this. What was yours? That's a good question because I'm not sure. <laughs> I think the I think the idea is an idea theory out there, and it just like hit me. Um, I, I basically I write about my life anyhow, so this is just I guess the next step to make it public. You know what I'm going through and what how what our relationship is going through and what it's like, and um, I just started it, and it kind of, I didn't, like, write an outline or figure, you know, what I'm going to exactly write. And I don't really have that much time to write, but I write like, like my wife Vera would sleep for 
in the morning more than I, you know, get up later than I do. So I'd have time in the morning to do some writing. So I'd write every, a little bit each day, and it kind of just developed from there. And it, it talked about our, the emotions I feel and what I was doing to, you know, to make me feel better about the situation and how it just evolved from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, did was was Vera um, aware that you were writing the book? Um, I mean, she sees me writing it, but she's not. She's not really. I wouldn't say she's aware of what I'm doing, actually. Okay, and the yeah. reason I ask that is is some people, you know, write jointly with their partners. It just depends on where people are at in terms of progression of the disease and and comfort level. So that's that's why I was asking that. So yeah, I mean, um, I, I used to I used to write. I wrote a number of books about sensuality, and she was like my joint co-author on those. And most mm-hmm. of it, I would do the writing, and then I'd read it to her, and she'd put her two cents in and. They always say that's really good, you know. And now I don't read it to her too often, but once in a while I'll read her a section, you know. And, you know, she, she either responds or won't respond. And sometimes she responds like in, you know, really in a humorous way or so. So it's, it's kind of fun sometimes to do that. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, in your book, I'm just going to share part of the, the table of contents with people because I think this is really important. Um, you outline the benefits of not remembering and you highlight fear, anger, sadness, jealousy, doubt, and then some of the pleasure and um, sensuality in terms of decisions and strangeness and delight, feeling down, paying attention, illness and hospital. And I think those are all um, very important um, subjects that don't always get talked about. So can we talk a little bit about what has changed in your relationship um, with Vera over the progression of the disease? Well, I mean, we had a relationship where we did everything t- together anyhow, but she was kind of more like in charge of what we're going to do, and I was in charge like how we're going to do it. So she come mm-hmm. up with like the appetite, and I come up with like the production. That's why we taught like in the relationship about the man woman relationship, which is a really um, a normal way of men and women relate. And with her disease, she really she has, I guess, the appetite, but she's no longer vocal about it. So I can mm-hmm. have to guess what what she wants or what she wants to do, because every and she's like. I, don't, I never like making decisions. There's even a chapter in there about making decisions. And I never like to make decisions. I'd rather have people make the decisions than I'd say, okay, or not okay. <laughs> but now i got to <laughs> make all the decisions and then and decide how to do it. And I'll ask her, what, what do you want for lunch? And she say, I don't know, you decide. I say, well, do you want a salad or do you want vegetables with some fish? And she'll say, I don't know, you decide. So, it's, mm-hmm. so I guess say, well, I guess... I feel like eating salad today, so we eat a salad. So okay. that's one well, of the benefits, I, too. I mean, I get to do whatever I want, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I, I think, um, I, I get what you're saying about making all the decisions, because even in my line of work, it's like, oh, I make so many decisions, and I talk so much during the day. I, sometimes I just kind of shut down, and I'm like, I don't care. I can really go any way. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty easy. Um, but yet that can frustrate other people because, you know, they want to make sure you're in it, too, and um, not just kind of going around for the ride, or they don't want to feel like they're the activities director <laughs> or whatever. Right, I mean, I, I'm the activities director. And we have this thing like we call it cause and effect. Like somebody can play cause or somebody can be at effect of something. So I'm always mm-hmm. at cause. I'm always coming up with the ideas and implementing them and the activities director. And But she's really good at at um, going along with my games. So whatever mm-hmm. I decide, she, she, she says, okay, and she she likes whatever I make her. She, she likes what I do. She rewards me. She tells me, like, like sometimes she doesn't, like, want to take a shower. So I'll, like, ask her, you know, you want to take a shower now? And she'll say, no, not now. You know, but if I keep asking, sooner or later, she, she'll say, okay. So we take a shower, and then, she said, well, I want to take my shirt off. I said, okay, well, 
don't take your shirt off now. And then finally, she'll, I'll say, okay, take your shirt off, and she'll take it off. And mm-hmm. we'll get in the shower, she'll wash, she'll, she'll do the washing. I'll, I'll give her the shampoo and stuff and help her, but she does all the washing herself. And then after we get out, she says, you're so kind, you're so nice to me, you take such great care of me. And that feels like the reward of, of when she says that feels so good. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's nice, that's so and I know some people. I know some people um, when when if they have like a spouse or, or a care partner that is refusing to shower, sometimes they'll just jump in the shower with them. And I've heard people say, you know, we just get into the shower with our clothes on if that's where they're at, and then I'll take my clothes off, and then they'll take their clothes off, and we just have to do it. It's a little extra laundry, but it's not a fight, and <laughs> we just, you know, kind of trying to keep things smooth and uh, in moving forward. So, it, you know, it's about adjusting and what's going to work, um, kind of keeping the peace. You talk about um, the benefits of, of her not remembering, like, fear and anger and sadness. Can you give us, like, an example or two regarding that? Well, I mean, she's had some some bad experience when she was a kid. For instance, she was in a concentration camp. In uh, in Austria, she was her mother was they were living in Yugoslavia and in Belgrade, and the mother was helping people escape. She wasn't even Jewish, and or or a gypsy or anything. But the Nazis were, I guess, invaded Yugoslavia and took it over, and she was helping Jewish people and other people escape. And Vera was like eight or nine years old, and they put her in camp, and she doesn't even remember that now at all. So that's kind of a benefit. <laughs> having to remember that. Oh, my gosh, yeah, definitely. How about... You know, um, also, like, I mean, benefits is... Uh, I mean, like, like... She used to not want to fly. She was like, mm-hmm. she wasn't a fear fly, she just refused to fly. So I used to go visit my parents in Florida by myself. And we'd go to New York quite a bit. We always took the, the Amtrak train across the country. I think it was taking it 20 times across back and forth. And then one day she forgot that she didn't fly, so we started flying again to Florida and New York. So that was a benefit for me. I don't know if it's a benefit for her or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it as long as she's comfortable with it. Yeah, as long yeah, as she's she comfortable I mean, with yeah, it. She, no, she said, oh, no, I like this. This is this is cool, you know, she liked the airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like, I think I like flying less than she does now. Mhm. Yeah, it's well, it's gotten complicated, and even just going through, you know, the screening process with somebody with dementia can um, complicate things if you don't let them know ahead of time. And and we stuff. haven't had any problems. So, They're always always pretty nice so far, but we don't travel a lot. We only travel like once a year. Mhm. And most most okay. my parents are gone, so I don't know if we're going to be traveling by plane at all anymore. Uh huh. So. Okay. Um, now, in the book, you also talk about um, pleasure and um, sensuality, and can you talk a little bit more about about that and how, you know, how that portion of your relationship has changed? Well, I mean, I, I think we've used that part because that's our, that's our business is, is teaching women and couples about how to pleasure. How pleasure women actually, and so I pretty much do that myself now because they're really not that isn't really into doing that. But once in a while, she'll still she'll still um, help out and and join the session, but she doesn't talk. But so anyhow, because of her training, she has training on doing. Extended orgasms, that's one of our first book, Extended Orgasms. And so she has this ability to, to have, be manually stimulated and have a, have a long and intense orgasm. And she can still actually get, have, have good orgasms. And now the, the question is, how do you get her into bed? Because I'll say, you, you know, you you like your pleasure now, or you want to have an orgasm, you want to get done, and and she and words like are hard for her to understand what exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But if I like 
if I take her hand and I bring her to the bed and I set up the best space and uh, I say, okay, now I take my pants off and then, okay, now you take your pants off. And she'll take her pants off and I say, okay, now let's, you get on the bed. And she gets on the bed and, and then she starts feeling her body and and she's, you know, like like old times. Mm-hmm. And and then she'll she'll pleasure me sometimes too, like you know, she's like an expert. Mm-hmm. You know, she hasn't she hasn't forgotten how to do that. And we we like hold hands whenever we go out. We hold hands. I'm sorry, you cut out for just a second there. You said you hold hands whenever you go out. Was that? Yeah, I think somebody's trying to call in here. Um, yeah, we we well, we hold hands a lot because like. Because I walk pretty fast, and she walks pretty well, but not as fast as I do. So I don't like walking in front of her. So I, my old hands, I'm walking with her. Also, she, she's not as stable as she used to be. So she actually mm-hmm. broke a pelvis about a year and a half ago because I wasn't holding her hand. Mm-hmm. So, so now she recovered really fast because we walk a lot. So I just hold her hand, and it feels good, and we squeeze each other. And we do a lot of kissing, mostly at home. But sometimes we'll do like we have these fountains around the town. There's a couple of really pretty fountains, and or a bridge. And every time we go over a bridge or a fountain, okay, I say let's kiss, and she gives me the sweetest little kiss. It's not like a long, big kiss, but it's a, you know, a sweet one that you can feel. Mm-hmm. And we, when we go in elevators, we I always like say, okay, I'm gonna kiss you now, and like. She gets all ter- turned on and, and really enjoys my kissing her in the other day. We do all, maybe don't go like in 50 floors, it's just a couple of floors usually. But by the time, you know, we're both flushed in our face and we're really turned on, and, and it's amazing what a little kiss can do. Yeah. But yeah. And I think a lot of times when, when somebody has dementia, people think that they're not going to be sexual anymore. Um, and yeah. they don't have the ability to be sensual um, or to know what's going on. But um, from what I'm hearing you say, she, she's very much aware of what's going on and can sense the pleasure. Yeah, she definitely can feel the pleasure. She's not verbal about it. I mean, one of the ways we, we taught people is to acknowledge the pleasure. And she, once in a while she'll acknowledge it, but usually she'll just, you know, just feel it without talking much. Mm-hmm. She's not like... She's not a great talker, but like at, but at night she starts talking more. She likes to talk at night. In the middle of the night, she, I think she's talking in her sleep too. And you know, she's you know, so, pretty, pretty funny. Okay. When you talk with other um, couples that are are dealing with dementia, is this something that they struggle with? I don't. I haven't talked to any other couples with dementia actually. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I've read books about it, but I haven't really talked to anybody about it. Okay, because I, I do think that there are um, there's a lot of people that want to talk and they want to learn. You know, how are people handling all of this? And um, and there really isn't a a great space for that. You'll see. You know, I go around the country doing speaking and training, and, and, you know, I'll see some people advertise, you know, sexuality or or sex in the nursing home or whatever (laughs) they might entitle it, um, you know, to try to explain what's going on and and what's happening. But, you know, I I find it really helpful for people just to talk um, organically, too, in terms of what's going on in their everyday life, if they're comfortable. I mean, this is a this can be a taboo topic for some people. Um, but yet I, I see a lot of people um, really struggling with the loss of intimacy um, as the disease progresses for many or the belief, you know, the stereotype um, and stigmatism that's out there that somebody can't be sensual um, with the disease or others worry that somebody's taking advantage of somebody and it's like, you know, especially if you're a husband and a wife, you know, or a, a significant couple of any standard, you know, how, how do, how do others look at that? Um, have you gotten any response from family or friends um, as your wife has progressed 
um, regarding. Well, they, they didn't know, tell me that. I'm I'm doing such a great job, and they, they could, you know, they're so glad that I'm I'm in Vera's life. Mm-hmm. So, but they but they're not really that. I mean, they got their own families and their own stuff to do, and so we don't see them that that much. We have some friends, and you know, when when I needed help, when I was in the hospital, like her, her family took over and helped out for a week. But as soon as I was out of the hospital, like we were back together again. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why I wrote the book is to, is to really show that you can have have fun and pleasure, and it's just a different lifestyle, I guess, than you, than you maybe expected or or were used to. But and it's it's kind of you know weird or strange, but it's it's not a bad thing, and it's something you can really you know, put your heart around, and I think it made it has made me a better person. Mm-hmm. I'm more attentive and more loving, and more loving to myself too. I, you know, I used to get like I think it was chapter with anger. How I get angry when when Vera would do this coughing thing, and like I haven't gotten angry in a couple of years now, really. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm, I'm mellowed out, and. And I think it's, I think the, the parts about, you know, touching and kissing and pleasure is what I have to add to this topic. I mean, people have, a lot of people have written about it, but I don't think they really put that accent on what's a, what you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And you have um, several poems in your book here, too. Um, one I'd like to read, if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay, Um, this one says, um, let's see, how I've been doing it, I I don't really know. You keep me going when I no longer can. A celestial comet, an orbital space, coming together just at the right pace. I hold your mind, I keep you on track. I'm on your side, I've got your back. We be near and we be far. We are love and love we are. Becoming one is a a miraculous feat. You make it easy and a glorious treat. I've become you and you've become me. There is no other, just a total we. We be near and we be far. We are love and love we are. I just think that's beautiful. You've got some really, really nice poetry in here. Um, Yeah, well, uh, viewers like my muse. mm -hmm. I've been writing your I've been writing a poem. I actually wrote a book called The Universe of Love, Poems of Yin and Yang. And it's got like mm-hmm. you know, probably 100 poems to her. I write like every anniversary, every Valentine's Day, every birthday. She gets a, like a birthday, a really pretty birthday card I'll pick. And I'll put a poem in each one, you know, each one of them. And, yeah. they're, and they're all over the house. So, and she doesn't uh-huh. remember, so she'll pick it up and she'll say, wow, look at this. Have you seen this? I said, yeah, I, I wrote that to you. She said, you did? That's so wonderful, you know. And this, the same card makes me pick up, like, the next day and say the same thing. <laughs> so it's like, kind, of, it's kind of like Groundhog Day, but it's like you know, a fun Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this one that I just read was from April 12, 2017, which was your 34th uh, anniversary, it says here. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just – I. I just think that it's so sweet and that you continue um, your traditions, you know, that you had and you're, you're not willing to kind of give up that touch and physicality of your relationship because of the disease. And again, if, if somebody was feeling discomfort or, you know, whatever with it, that would be a whole nother story. But, you know, it sounds like she's still able to be, you know, a participant and a willing participant and one who, who enjoys it as well? I think that that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny because I like, like for instance, yesterday I asked her, you know, would you like to have a date, you know, sensual date, and you know, she said no. And I must have asked her like four or five times all day long, and then finally she says, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, because she doesn't remember me even asking her. She says, why are you asking me again? She didn't say that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Which no would be. Answer. Yeah, which would be our typical response, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that is 
Definitely, definitely. And, and, all, and what we do is man, manual stimulation, so it's not like taking advantage of somebody. It's um, it's all about pleasure. Mm-hmm. So it's not about okay. like getting yours or getting you know. Both people take pleasure from from this experience. Yeah. Now you um, you note in here about and this one is under the chapter of kind of doubt. Um, you said a mental hug comes with a virtual, certain physical embrace, erases any doubt. It removes the wall and the curtain surrounded by you inside and out. Um, can you tell us, you know, where you were when you when you wrote that, and and what that what that means to you? Well, I, I think it's it's I don't know where I was, but I think it's about being present. Because when you have mm-hmm. doubt, it means you're somewhere, you know, thinking about the future, you know, mm-hmm. some some future loss. So you're doubting, and when you hug somebody, you're it brings you right to the present. So it's like mm-hmm. I, I'm a real I'm a I'm a student, but I'm a. I, I loved um, Eckhart Tolle's books, *The Power of Now*, and and that's the place, the only really place that it exists. And all the other stuff, you know, being in the future or being in the thinking more like losing about the past or, you know, something bad that happened or something that could be bad happening in the future or something even good happening in the future, that's being like out of your mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. The yeah. best place to be is right here, right now. And I think physically, by when I hug there, I, 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 I'm not thinking anymore. It's, not like, mm-hmm. it's a good way of stop, stopping that incessant you know, monologue in your head. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I, I get, there's no more doubt then. Yeah, you talk about um, doubt is just the ego playing with us, you know, kind of that that game. And I think we you, you go on to talk about, you know, men um, usually doubt themselves in their productivity, and women usually uh, doubt their attraction, um, and you know, being attractive and stuff, and and uh, that it can hit us at any time regarding anything. But it's about pushing it aside and kind of standing in our own confidence and of who we are and, and what we do. You say, sometimes I feel sadness when Vera asks me if I love her. Um, how does that, in terms of sadness, can you explain that? Because I think everybody goes through that. But when dementia is part of the picture, I would imagine it feels a little bit different. Well, because like, yeah, of course I love you. You know, everything I do is about loving you. It's my whole life is is <laughs> you know is is that. And like, how dare you ask me if I love you? You know, that that's you know what my ego would responds with. Mm-hmm. But it's you know just step aside and say it's a, it's an opportunity to tell her how much you love her again. Mm-hmm. So it's a chance to be creative. So there's always the the silver lining to, to everything, to every cloud, not every cloud, yeah. but to some clouds. So yeah, here's an opportunity for me to tell her, wow, I love you more than you know, more than Elizabeth Barrett Browning loved in her poem. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you more than a summer's day. You know, I, I, you know, I, I really love you so much. I like, it's like I, nobody has loved anybody as much as I love you. But you can just you know, speak your love instead of saying, "How come you keep asking me that? Don't you know me or love me?" You know, mm-hmm. and that, I think that goes for with dementia or just anybody may say, "Do you, you know, do you love me?" You know, you know, and it's it's always a chance to take the positive side and take take the creative side. Yeah. So, and I think I think as a society we're I, really I good. I learned that from from writing. I, I think writing down these things help help me. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good at living with somebody who has dementia to write down your thoughts. Yeah. And I think as a society when someone asks us if we love them, we pigeonhole them as being needy instead of looking within and saying, 
well, how am I coming off? <laughs> Why is this question coming up? You know, it's it's kind of we. It's real easy to blame the other person for being not feeling confident or being needy when actually right. it it could have to do a lot with our our verbals or our nonverbals that that we may or may not even be aware of. Um, right. You know, our actions may have changed, but it's always easier to blame the other guy than to, to go within. Be, you can always be more loving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think and that, um, yeah, I, I think it's good to look within and, ta- you know, take that question seriously in terms of how can I be kinder? How can I be more loving, more gentle? How can they, how can they, how can they feel it? Because apparently my words aren't cutting it. So it might not just be words. It may be, you know, combination of actions and um, you know, following the same path, integrating and being more authentic in that love for them. Uh, yeah. And it, it could it could just be, you know, that they had a lapse too and kind of forgot who you are um, and what your relationship is along this journey too. And then it's a matter of um, not so much, you know, them remembering the name of who you are, but um, taking taking great pleasure in, you know, making them feel safe, happy, and, and pain-free with you, um, you know, and um, reveling in their contentment and their pleasure and, um, you know, when they're relaxed and stuff. And sometimes I think we sit and spin instead of just breathing that in and, like you said, being present in the moment. Yeah, be present and be creative. And uh, and something with dementia also... You know, she may ask me, do you love me, like, five times in, in ten minutes. You know, mm-hmm. like, we keep repeating the same thing. I forget that she, those beautiful answers I just came up with. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just a chance to be more creative. So, it's, you know, it's a game, and it's, you can play with whatever way you want to play. But I think the best way to play is to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's so many people that don't think you can have fun or you or that joy is impossible with dementia and, you know, I adamantly disagree, you know, with that. I think that there's a lot of joy and I think that actually people with dementia as they um many will regress in time, they become more playful. And and I think as adults, a lot of times we forget how to play. We forget how to be joyful because we're too busy being busy, you know, or being adult-like. And uh, and there's a, you know, with my mom, for example, she, you know, she went back in time and I never really saw her in a, I don't want to say a pure joy, joyful um, state because I did many times throughout my life, but it was in an adult joyfulness. But when she got to the point where she was, you know, kind of in this almost toddler um, joyfulness, it was just so pure. It was just so elevated. And it was really something uh-huh. to see. And I, I remember just thinking, I want what she has because it's just so authentic. And no, it's, really, it's true. Yeah. And I think that the authenticity is missing so much in our world and so you know to me that was really one of the one of the great benefits of of the disease um you talk about jealousy in here can you talk a little bit about that to our audience maybe give an example well i i think my favorite jealousy is being jealous of myself because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we will look at these photographs on the wall we're like we're we're kissing each other and or hugging each other and, and she say like that's my husband and I'll say well that, that's me. And you say no it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said no no it's, that's that's me when I was had darker hair you know. And and I'll try to convince her that that's me so I would get jealous over myself there. So yeah, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of, kind of funny, but like. But then the next time she'll look at the picture and says, I say, that's me. And she says, I know. So it's not not always the same. You never know what's going to, what the answer is going to be or what the mood's going to be or 
what's, what's going to happen next. Exactly. So I, and it seems like there's a lot of times, not a lot, you know, times when, you know, she seems like out of it, and then, you know, I also just want to sleep, and then, you know, then I'll try to get up later on, and she'll wake up and, you know, kiss me like she, you know, like she knows I'm the her best buddy forever, you know. So it's, I just don't know what's going to happen next, and it's so it's, you yeah. know, be present. Yeah, the yeah the clarity can really can really swing. I remember being in a memory cafe one day and. And um, the people have given me permission to share this story, but uh, it was a couple who had been married for like 60 some years and they went to go to bed and um, Bernie gave Marianne this big hug. And he, he said, he said, honey, you're a really nice gal, but I'm married and you have to leave now. <laughs> and she said her heart just broke because he didn't recognize her but on the other side she was so proud that he was honoring their marriage <laughs> and and she felt well I know now he never cheated on me you know and right. so everyone in the group said you know well well what did you do and she said well I I went into the guest bedroom and she said I slept and then she said no I didn't I stayed up all night praying that in the morning he would know who I was and what was ironic with that is in the morning, he got up, everything was fine. But right. we probably had, I don't know, six to eight other couples in this group. Every single one of them had experienced that a similar situation to that and had never, ever told a soul, not a friend, not a family member, not anything, because they were embarrassed and uncomfortable and like they said, probably partially in denial. And if you say it too many times, it's it's real. <laughs> and they yeah. were able to share together their experiences. It was so healthy for all yeah. of them. You you literally just heard this sigh of relief that, again, I'm not alone. You know, others are going through yeah. similar things. So I think it's so important to have to have these healthy conversations. You know, and, and granted, they're they're um, very intimate conversations. They're very personal, um, but I think that we can we can support one another by by doing this as well. And, yeah, I, and that's I, why I, me, another reason I wrote the book is I, I you know I did it for myself so I can express mm-hmm. my, those feelings. You know, say say these things. You know, where where she, she doesn't recognize me, or she she thinks she's married to somebody else, or you know, she has to go home to her mother and grandmother now, she'll say once in a while, she hasn't said it in a long time, but for a while there, she was saying it all the time, like she was like a, a, a young teenager or something. Mm-hmm. You know, she can't She can't stay, she's got to go back to her mom. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, but I think that's a normal part of, the, of what she's going through, and, 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 she, and she stopped doing that, actually, so I don't know why she stopped doing it, but I'm I'm grateful that she stopped doing it, but if she started again, I, you know, I, I can handle once, once you go through something a couple of times, it, it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. You know, the next time you're, re- you're kind of ready for it till then something new shows up. And so far, less and less new things have been showing up because she's, mm-hmm. you know, she's played most of her cards, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never know. You never know. You have a, a another little poem here under benefits of not remembering it says we may have been around a while um, seen many cycles of the sun we don't remember all the details but we know there's been a lot of fun each time we touch each time we kiss each time I hold you true it feels like we may have done it before but it also feels so brand new and I, I think again that is um you know, it's it's important to keep, you know, not let this disease take your relationships. Um, and you know, there's so many levels of our relationships, but we can we can guard them and we can protect them. But again, we have to believe that they still exist. And I think for so long, we were told as a society, you know, that that somebody was a shell of a body, and you know, what's the point? Um, I remember friends asking me, for example, with my mom, <clears throat> uh, does she still know you? Does she remember your name? And I said, 
what I found was people were asking me that question for two reasons. Some people so badly didn't want me to talk about it anymore. They wanted to give me permission not to go see her again. So if she doesn't remember you, what's the difference? You don't need to go see her. And then if you don't go see her, then, then I won't hear this story because I don't know how to respond to you. I don't know what to do. And then others really wanted to know how she was doing. And I found that very fascinating. And, and then also learning in that process um, that, you know, I believe we're much more than a name. I believe we're connected on multiple, you know, different levels. And, and names you know, are like artificial, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Animals don't have names. <laughs> yeah, and but yet we try to, we seem to try to force words out of people or, um, or you know, repetitive actions that they've always done. And yet, we have the freedom to change. We have the freedom to sit silent when we don't want to talk. Um, and, you know, we don't let somebody force us uh, to have to fit that mold. You know, we're, we're constantly morphing and changing. And so I think it's important for us to allow and respect and recognize that a person with dementia is going through these changes too and that they can still communicate to us on multiple different levels using nonverbals, um, we just have to pay attention and read them. You know, we have to look for those nonverbal signs, but I think we've gotten so fast-paced that so many people don't even know how to do that. They're just used to, you know, sending an emoji instead of really looking for signs of emotion (laughs) within somebody and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting Interesting process. Now, I know you're on Facebook. Do you have a Facebook group at all? Or are, do you belong to different groups on Facebook if people want to um, contact no. you? And, and, Not okay. really. I mean, they can contact me just, you know, through my name, I guess. Okay. Okay. I mean, and I then, have like a business page, I think. I think it's just under my name. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, is there anything else that you wanted to, to share with us? We've got about 10 minutes left, and I just well, I, want to make I just, sure. When you, when you were talking, it reminded me of, like, you know, Vera's, when she has pain, she'll say, it hurts. She still tell me something hurts, mm-hmm. you know. So and it could be any part of her body. It could be having a headache. It could be her foot having a spasm. Her leg sometimes cramps, you know, like has a cramp. Um, and um, so I'll, I'll do what I can to take care of it. And I start worrying, you know. I'll say, mm-hmm. take care of the doctor. I say, go to the emergency room. You know, what's going on here? Should give her a pill? And then usually within a few minutes, her pain's gone, and she's forgotten all about it. I'm still carrying around this pain, you know. And she didn't tell me that the pain went away. I'll say, mm-hmm. are you okay? And I say, how's your pain? She's to say, like, what pain? So she'll totally mm-hmm. forget about it. That's kind of a benefit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you don't remember the pain. Yeah, unless it's so. something really chronic that needs to be cared for, and then, and then it can right. be dangerous, you know. But, um, yeah, and have, have you Most noticed the... Yeah, have you noticed a, a difference? Because I know a lot of people with dementia say that their um, their other senses have changed. So, um, you know, aroma and taste and touch, um, what they see, all you know, they say a lot of that has has increased or become more sensitive. Their hearing. Have you noticed any of that with Vera? Not really. I mean, she she really enjoys eating, but she we eat well, so she stays thin, but she, she likes to taste the food, and, she, and um, it seems like after sex, of course, she's, food always tastes better, so she mm-hmm. likes to eat, eat then, and she usually finishes her food, and sometimes she won't, but she'll say, you finish it for me, but mo- most times she finishes her food, and um, sometimes I think she can't, doesn't smell as much as she used to smell. But um, something she'll smell. I so said, you smell that garlic, and she'll say yes. And sometimes yeah. I'll say, no, I'm not talking to you, honey. I'll give you a kiss. I was wondering where 
She's wondering where I am. I'm oh, in the bedroom. okay. She's in the room. <laughs> okay. Well, that's nice. I want my attention now. It's nice to be missed, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. Now, they can um, go uh, email you at verasteve at aol.com. Or, or at Steve. Ans- yeah. Okay, or Steve at Steve Steve Ans- Gmail.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you taking time to be with us today. I, I found this to be a really... Um, interesting conversation, needless to say, and I think it'll help a lot of a lot of people out there who are you know struggling with dementia. And again, the name of Steve's book is Love and Alzheimer's. And where where can they get that? Can they get that on Amazon, or does it have to be purchased through your uh, no through Amazon? Your website? Actually, only through Amazon. If they go to my website, I think I get an extra fifty cents, but. No, it just goes to Amazon, and it's on Kindle, and it's on print. It's in print. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Steve. Well, I really, well, I really enjoyed talking talking to you and listening to you, and I think you're a great hostess and um, helpful. I feel, I feel better knowing you're out there. Well, good. Good, good. Well, we will let you go and get back to Vera because it sounds like she's missing you. So, yeah, she's um, ready but, for me, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. You take care. Thank you again. Um, okay. I'm going to give a couple shout-outs to a couple other companies here. The Call Alert Center has a great new video to watch, and you can get actually 20% discount when you sign up. Uh, going to uh, alzheimerspeaks.com. This is called, again, the Call Alert Center, and it helps you prepare in case your your loved one or your client may be a wanderer ahead of time, and they just do a big social media um, blast and, um, and make it easy for you to be able to push out uh, basic information to help find them. Should that be the case? Then I want to give a shout out to the Roberto app, which measures brain functions through video engagement, which is really interesting. And you can find out more by going to our homepage on alzheimerspeaks.com with that. In the meantime, have a, have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Hello, Perkins people. Welcome to another day to show some kindness, like the new guy at the copier. You know, he wanted two copies, but he printed 200. Think how good you'll feel showing him how to cancel out. Kind of like the way you'll feel when you order a new dish from Perkins' Great Plates menu. There's the cheesy chicken and bacon pasta, or all-you-can-eat pancakes, and so much more, just four to eight bucks. Only at Perkins. Kindness served daily. Oh, man. Now he's, uh, he's jammed it. Hello, Perkins people. Welcome to another day to show some kindness, like the new guy at the copier. You know, he wanted two copies, but he printed 200. Think how good you'll feel showing him how to cancel out. Kind of like the way you'll feel when you order a new dish from Perkins' Great Plates menu. There's the cheesy chicken and bacon pasta, or all-you-can-eat pancakes, and so much more, just 4 to 8 bucks. Only at Perkins. Kindness served daily. Oh, man. Now he's, uh, he's jammed it. Hey everybody, Jared Sebastian, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.